0: my find- <laughs> welcome to another edition of the Royal of the Lions UK podcast episode 151 truly goreful my name is Matthew Turner alongside co hosts Ant, Ryan and Steve. how are you doing yeah. boys?
1: That was terrible.
0: I'm going to have to retake over these Jewies, aren't I? You ever see the college?
1: These have got to start going to a committee.
2: Yeah. We need
1: to start voting on these.
2: You ever see the college football ones and notice how good they are? You know, I put time and effort into my titles and, you know, making them good. So I think we need to do this.
0: All I can say is a planning document is available for you to make amendments to it whenever you like, wherever you like. And I know that because Steve has tripped me up by putting in additional information which isn't required and I don't want. So w- if you want to change the episode title, you are free to do so, people.
2: I, I-, I was going to put zebras are a cowboy's best friend, but I didn't want to make this about the refs. But it's going to be about the refs, isn't it? is so... not
0: is it? Yeah. Well, feels like we beat ourselves a little bit.
2: No, well, we did, but they did as well. You know, like kind of when you're losing, and then someone comes in and sticks in that final boot that does you in. That's the that's the rest. They stick in that final boot.
0: Well, we can talk about the game in just a moment. I'm going to get through our usual preamble, as I always do. Don't forget our Discord channel. Please do come and join us and be a part of that. It's been a very active community in the past day, as I'm sure you can appreciate. College Football Podcast is chuntling on. That's not a word, but I said it anyway. (laughs) Um, How's it going, guys? What happened last weekend? What are you going to be talking about this week? Uh,
2: College Football um, yeah, no, it was It was another good weekend, another, some good results there. We're doing our technical half-season mocks this week, although it's a bit beyond half-season, but you know, who cares, especially given the state we're in at the minute, mock draft season is upon us, so we're doing that, we've got to look back over this weekend just gone, and then looking forward to next weekend, it's, it's the uh, MSU-Michigan rivalry game. That's not going to be controversial at all. So a lot of these big rivalry games starting to appear now. So we're probably going to have a look through the leagues as well, see who's looking towards championships, bowls, etc. So it'll be good fun. So come and join us. Uh, we will be during the week this time because mm. I have time off work this week. It won't be on Saturday. So
0: uh, hey, yeah. good stuff. I mean, some <clears throat> bigger, uh, some big wins and losses for people. Undefeated teams losing and. Uh, the the team I was kind of slightly pulling for lost as well, which I was gutted by. And Bo Nix is a quarterback, apparently. He actually is. He's he's
2: getting actual draft talk now. He's in actual chat about no, him he's getting drafted. Well, he, well, in, in Ryan's world, he definitely won't be. But in some of the worlds I've seen, they're starting to talk about him as a potential draft pick now. And just on that point, got it I was course. listening.
0: I was listening to the draft networks. Draft Dudes podcast this morning or this afternoon on my way home from work and the producer of the show literally said I shit you not, can you imagine how good of a fit it would be for the Detroit Lions to pick Will Anderson at one and Bo Nix in the second round
2: well you'll get a a Ryan's rant if that happens you'll get a (laughs) Ryan's super in rant, it'll be the rant to end all (laughs) rants
1: Bonix is a little fanny that jumped ship out of the SEC. Went to a little cushy pack 12 where he could be breastfed. I'm not buying it whatsoever.
0: If you want to hear more on this sort of thing, then you need to tune in to the College Football Podcast, airing probably on Wednesday, sometime around then. You need to check it out. But please do like this show and sub to the podcast on YouTube and Twitch and give us a nice review if you can. We really appreciate that. You know it helps us out. Lions Nation Unite as well, you need to go and download that app, lionsnationunite.com. Herman Moore's project to bring the best in Lions content creators all together in one place. You can get MicroMic there and Dose of Dion and Lions on the Prowl and all of those guys. Every everything king. You need to do that. And we are a Twitch affiliate. If you have got an Amazon Prime subscription and you're not using your free Twitch Prime subscription, would love for you to donate that to us once a month. It puts a little bit in our pocket in place of you giving it to Amazon, so it doesn't hurt you at all, but it's great for us. Right, a little bit of news to go through before we do talk about this game. Jack Fox does have a new contract. We maybe spoke on that during uh, the show on Saturday. But what we weren't aware of at the time was his new shiny three-year contract extension so it doesn't come into effect until the end of this season is a three-year deal an average of 3.775 million a year seven and a half million guaranteed which makes him the highest paid punter in nfl history the highest paid ever all time i knew it was the highest paid in the league i didn't realize it was ever i was thinking that johnny hecker might have had a bigger deal or someone like that but apparently not Vitae has been restructured. That saves 2.42 million in cap space. In all likelihood, it adds 2.42 million to the next two years subsequent to this one. DJ Chark and Bobby Price place on IR. Cornerback Jerry Jacobs and defensive lineman Josh Pascal activated from IR. And Amaraz and Brown left the game with a concussion. There's actually a press conference going on at the moment. Uh, so we may be updated on this while we're live on the air, but at the moment it remains to be seen whether he actually does have a concussion. He was told instantly after a hit on the field to report to the tent. Sorry, say again, Ryan?
1: He doesn't have a concussion. He's been cleared, but under the new protocols, it's not the team's decision if he plays or not, but apparently he does not have a concussion. But these new rules will decide if he's allowed to play or not.
0: I thought that was the case. It was actually, while I was on the air yesterday doing live reactions, Drew said as soon as he went off the field, he's done for the day because he can't have a concussion evaluation without being done. Yeah, Yeah. It's, just, like it. yeah. it's I, I get what happened with Tua and you've got to do more to protect players, but that seems nuts. To me, it didn't look like he had any symptoms whatsoever. Did anyone think he did?
1: Oh yeah, he stood up and nearly fell over.
0: Yeah, he, he had to go quality. lean on the. Ref- he had to go lean on the
1: referee. Then the referee sent him off. A
2: little right. motion. He
1: literally gets punched in the back of the head. I think it was definitely the right decision.
0: All you right. See, let so,
1: him carry on. We'd have got in a
0: world. My bad. <laughs> I didn't see that at all. I must have been talking to Drew at the time. Right. Let's talk about the game. It was the Lions six Dallas. 24 did finish six to three in favour of the Lions at the half. We elevated the wide receiver Brandon Zilstra and kicker Michael Badgley for this game. Inactives with a running back DeAndre Swift, offensive tackle Matt Nelson, defensive lineman, Michael Brockes and Demetrius Taylor, cornerback Will Harris, and safety Ifatu Melafonwu. Um I was surprised that Zilstra came up if I'm honest, as a wide receiver. Obviously, Banchley had to come up because one of the kickers had to. Uh, Swift being out was a bit of a kick to the nuts before the game. We knew, obviously, that he was questionable, but he wasn't doubtful. So, a bit of a surprise that he didn't go, boys? Yeah. Um, It's... Anyone? <laughs> was
2: um, a he's on show. He's had two weeks off. Sorry. um, He's had two weeks off and, you know, he's still not healthy, this shoulder thing and whatever and it's just like, it's getting to the point now where it's just annoying. You know, I, I feel for him, I do with the injuries but I'm tired of you know, oh he's, he's not practicing during the week. He's at life practice, at light practice, the audience going, Oh yeah, I'm fine, I'm healthy, I'm gonna play at the weekend, and then the weekend arrives and then he doesn't play, and then this this offense is suffering for it. I mean, people are saying that maybe golf's holding the offense back at the minute, or you know, a good quarterback would make this offense a lot better. You know, this is what we're missing, and it's Swift we're missing. When Swift plays, we are, this offense is much better. It all goes through your running back. If you've got a running back who can move the chains, make explosive plays, get you out of those tough, uh, long predicaments, then it makes your offense that much more dangerous. And he's just, he's never around. He's never there. It's almost like he's kind of that luxury pig, you know, the uh, a special player you get once every few games just to be able to come in and do something. It's like a, you know, an unlockable character or something like that. You don't get him all the time. And I'm, I'm kind of done with it now. You know, it's frustrating knowing that you've got such a great player and you can never play him. And it's just like, well, what's the point at this point? You know, is he going to come back next week? Is he still going to be dinged up? Is he going to take one hit and then be out another few games? Um, I just, I, I don't understand why it's taking him so long to come back you know you've seen Brian Robinson got shot he's playing he's playing well you've seen other running backs who are taking hits so we're still playing they're playing well and I'm about done with it now I love him as a player but he ain't reliable enough for us
1: I'm done with him I wash my hands with him replace him
2: he's an absolute liability unfortunately
1: for all the talent in the world he has got no durability whatsoever Puts on muscle, puts on mass, like you say, and he's still basically about as durable as a breadstick. And you still must be losing patience either. We're literally told as hard knocks, like, we need you to be tougher. We need you to try play through pain and injury. And if he ain't gonna do that, then we'll just get rid of him. All right, trade him. Honestly, I, at this point I don't care. Like I said, I'm drafting a running back next year We're in the first three rounds, and I'm going out there to get his replacement.
0: Yeah, and the other one who perhaps we didn't miss on the field, but certainly was someone surprising that was a healthy scratch, was Michael Brockers. I know that Ant before has spoken about not cutting him just because there's no no cap benefit to it, really. But at the moment, it seems like we had addition by subtraction there, boys. Oh, we are we're, we're
1: so much better about him. I'm sick. I'm he doesn't offer anything anymore. That whole lead and veteranship, I think it's total bullshit. Like say, like, I'm glad that you didn't play the game because now Pascal is back. I've got no interest in seeing Brockers take the field again this season. If I'm honest, I'll keep him till the moment we can get the best cap saving by cutting him. But for me, I don't care if he plays again this season. I don't care he's a captain. I don't want him out there.
2: Thing is, you don't. Um... You don't get anything by cutting him now, really. You need rotational depth on your on your D-line. You know, Kaminsky is, you know, walking around with a cast on at the minute. You've still got a lot of young guys in there. You know, you know Jones and Isaiah Bugs didn't grade particularly well this week either. You know, there's a lot of issues. So you kind of have to keep him. You need bodies in there to rotate it and take snaps if you need them to. But the overall part of it, you know, this finally benching your senior players for bad performances is what Campbell needs to do. Started with Amani. Amani came back and played a bit better this week, not tremendously so, but he looked a bit better this week. You know, Brockers is next. Hopefully Ancelone is the next to get this treatment as well. But at least it's showing that, you know, your position is not safe as a veteran here. That's that's what Dan Campbell needed to do. And lo and behold, Josh Pascal comes in, plays well as the rookie So, um, you know, and that's what this team needs. Needs its young players to stand up and show that they're going to be parts of this team going forward. And if that's coming at the expense of these veterans who can't do it, then fine. That's absolutely fine. We can ride out this season with Brockers as a rotational piece and then cut him when it's done. When, you know, second to last game's done, cut him, get your 10 million savings off him. Reinvest it somewhere else. But um, I'm just glad. That they are benching these underperformers now. There are there are more names to go on that list, and hopefully someone will step up at linebacker and make it an easier decision to bench Anzalone and keep his ass there. Well, I mean, if, I anything, think...
1: this, if anything, this bad season is actually making a lot of decisions easier for me. I, I've worked out in my head now who I want rid of, especially of the veterans, and who is no longer a future piece of this team. So it's actually been very clarifying. I feel like my mind is clearer. I feel like I have a better understanding of where we should be going further forward. So if that means that some of these veterans don't play, I'll see playing time. I'm actually all right with that. I've accepted it. Like you say, uh, like you say, Brockers. Hawkinson, I- I'm done with Hawkinson. Like say, Chark, it was a one-year flyer. It's a shame that he's injured. But ultimately, now from the end of the year, like you say, Zylstra, Tom Kennedy. You're annoying me. But yeah, Demetrius Taylor. Uh, let's just Demetrius Taylor can't be any worse than Michael Brock because I don't actually think it's possible. So next week, just just activate him. What has this team got to lose right now? Not a damn lot.
0: No. Let me let me go through some of the statistical performances, and we can talk about some of the plays in the game and then maybe some of the themes coming out of it. Goff, 21 of 26 and a fairly efficient performance, 228 with two interceptions and two fumbles five sacks suffered as well for 33 yards of loss prescott on the other hand 19 of 25 207 and a touchdown very late on rushing game jamal williams 15 yards 79 sorry 15 carries 79 yards and two fumbles tony pollard leading the way for dallas 12 carries for 83 yards and Zeke got 15 for 57 and two touchdowns in the receiving game. It was pretty good for the Lions, all in all. Raymond, 5 of 6 for 75. Wright, 4 of 4 for 57. Hawk, 4 of 5 for 48. All sounds very good, actually, when it comes down to it. Dallas in the receiving game. Lamb, 4 for 70. Brown, 5 for 50. Schultz, 5 for 49. That ain't blowing us away. But it really comes down to all those turnovers in the game. On defense, Jeff Acuda leads the way massively on both on either side. Fifteen tackles, 12 of which solo and a tackle for a loss. In the sack game, Anzaloni had half, along with Hutch, who had one and a half. On the Dallas side of the ball, there were five sacks, two by Sam Williams, and he looked an absolute menace. Only one for Parsons, who was held mainly in check through this game. Um And then the only other thing I guess to mention is that Badgley hit both of his kicks, which is something, I guess, considering the performance we've had from that position in the last few games, including a kick from over 50 yards. Who knew he could do that? Going into the game, started out with something that hasn't happened for Dak since 2019, which is two consecutive three and outs to start the game, including that shared sack between Anzalone and Hutchinson on the first series, which was really great play, actually hutch slammed him to the ground so hard i feared a flag was coming but it didn't um on the following possession there was a really nice goal line stand which forced a fourth and two dallas was going to go for it ended up having to take a timeout because they ran out of time to snap the ball uh and then when they came back out they actually hit the the field goal to go uh three apiece. and then very late on in the half with with the lions six three up an amazing Turnover created on the our own five yard line. Kirby Joseph hitting a guy in midair at the knee, dropping the ball and then recovered by Amani Oruwariye, sparing our blushes and allowing us to go into the lead with a six to three halftime. Uh, you know, it was. I don't really know how to describe it. It was weird. It didn't feel like it didn't really feel like either team had taken a hold of the game. We stopped them on the goal line, but we would had a couple of chances to put some points on the board ourselves and only settle for field goals after we kind of, they managed to come around the defense deck and perhaps missed a block here or there, and that put us behind the chains when we get in towards the red zone. It kind of felt like we'd missed out there, boys, but I thought we'd had the best of it in that first half, and the defense came out absolutely firing.
2: It's Taylor's all the time with this team, stupid mistakes. I mean, you know, your second and third drives, you should have had points on. You know, you have Evan Brown with the unnecessary hold, which takes us from third and magic. You know, we converted first down, their red zone, getting ready to have a hammer away at the end zone. He holds, puts us back into third and long. Stupid hold, which he shouldn't have done because the player was getting nowhere near. Um, I think it was Jamal who converted the first down on it. And you are consistently making these little errors all the time. And we should have been up a lot more by the half. I mean, I felt like they settled, especially, you know, the last drive before the half. You've got three timeouts in your back pocket. You've got a minute and a half. You know, Jamal starts off with two big runs starting getting you towards midfield. And then you just run, run. Oh, yeah, let's settle. Let's just settle on it. Why not push your team? Why not push your team and see what's capable of? You're on the road. The Cowboys are playing awful, for want of a better word. And you go in conservative against them. You don't win on the road by being conservative. Dan Campbell, you know damn well a 6-3 lead at halftime ain't gonna win you a game. So why are you not going out there and being more aggressive with your play calling? And as for the players, stupid errors. Like you said, you know, the receiving figure's not so bad, but We've got a lot of mid-players making mid-plays there. We don't have any game-breakers making game-breaking plays there. No one who can just push us over the edge in the running back room, in the receiving room. And it's it was just frustrating because it's just this tale of when one side of your ball turns up. The defence looked really good, like you said. First time it has done in some time. Came and played. Where was its offence? We got some real good field position in that first half. We had some good, sustainable drives in that first half. We put ourselves in positions to score points and we didn't. We came away with a couple of field goals and then and, and that was it. And for me, I was bitterly disappointed at halftime because I know this team and I know this team doesn't really play full games of football at the minute. So when you're on top, you have to maximize and put lots of points on the board. It's what we did against Washington. We were all over them in the first half, and we put up a lot of points so that when the inevitable comeback came, we had enough of a buffer to be able to protect that lead. There was no way we were protecting a three-league point going into half-time despite being on top, and it's just frustrating. Like I said, last year's me would have loved that first half. Full of fight, full of vigor, defence looking good, that's all you want here, but I'm sorry, in my second year, I need to start seeing signs that this team can do a bit more than just fight out a half and have a three point lead and, and, and settle for things. I need I need to see more. And I didn't see that. And you know, I was not happy at all come half time.
1: I just it, it's I'm just so conflicted. Like say three weeks of the season, the offense He's playing, like, say, the best football it can. The defense is playing some bullshit high school peewee football bollocks. Go to New England and the defense, okay, wasn't terrible, but the offense was putrid. And then, like, say, uh, Goff being efficient, like, we're saying that tongue in cheek because he was pants for most of the day. The offense, if Brock Wright is one of your leading receivers, that means you've, your day's been pretty bad. Like Josh Reynolds, absolutely nowhere to be seen in the entire game. Like if it, if it was chemistry like, between Goff and Reynolds, like I said this year, like it's, it's gone. Like I say the fact that you don't like you don't like train all week and then plays tells me, like I say, that it's either somewhat not right then, or maybe he shouldn't have just played, but we we're down to bare bones, so he was he was forced to. But yeah, defense great. Like I say, Akuda. Flying about everywhere, playing nickel, playing strong safety, playing linebacker. If that's what we're gonna do with him for the rest of the season, great. Because an island at cornerback is truly going to waste when he's much more versatile than playing in that position there. So offensive adjustment promised that after to bye. Before that, we were just getting lied to week in, week out. But they told us we're gonna do some different stuff and we got it. Offense. Like I say, Craig Reynolds was just getting blown up in the backfield every other player. Once again, we were on third and long multiple times. We converted the odd one and then the, oh, the penalties. Sometimes we look fantastic. But we'll go for a stretch where we get a few penalties a game and then we'll go on a stretch where we just shoot ourselves in the foot constantly. This is just another of those games where we just crucified ourselves. Terrible holding calls. Evan Brown, like us say, pulling guard. Too many times he just did not get there, and he missed. Like I said, Jamal Williams whiffed on some blocks. Goff out there running for his life at times, and it was just a slugfest. At the half, to be 6-3 up, I was actually delighted because so like, I did not expect to be in this game whatsoever at the half. That last drive there, Dan Campbell don't trust the offense. He said he was thinking, we don't have a deep threat. We've barely got a mid-threat. I remember has gone. We, we have literally got no real passing juice right now. So he decided to just whip out, take the lead to the half, knowing we'll get the ball back after the half. And at that point, I was fine with it. If we got something coming out of the half, that literally addressed going into the half and not getting anything. But second half, just a totally different story.
0: I mean, I just fundamentally going back to brown he looks all at sea for me at guard he's not a guard he is a center he's a backup center and he's a bloody good one just just play stenberg like what is all of this rubbish with adding skipper in there and stuff i know stenberg missed an assignment two weeks ago and it could have been a touchdown if he'd actually hit his mark And he just didn't know what he was doing. And that's a big thing. You need to have trust in the alignment to know what you're meant to do on each play. I get it. But he he performed really well apart from that one snap in that game. And he is a guard and he's on the roster into his third year with the team. Cut him or play him in this situation. If he can't get onto the team as the backup guard and you're not re-signing him after year four, because at the moment, I can't imagine a scenario where we're re-signing him after year four. What's he still doing here? Play him or cut him, but they're doing neither at the moment, and he's not doing any good just sitting there. Like, I, I don't get it.
2: This experiment at right guards failed. And they say the run game has noticeably they got worse with him not in there. That was his thing. I know the pass game, it wasn't as great, but you kind of have to accept your lumps there. Some teams do that. They they accept a little worse pass protection if it means they can run the ball better and he moves better, he pulls better. He missed one assignment. He hadn't before that during the season. There were so many examples of him pulling well. Gets up to the second level fast. You've trained him to be there. Play (laughs) your guard there. The whole thing with Skipper's failed. He's just back to being awful again and not really contributing much to this team. Brown, like you say, is not a guard, you know, two holding penalties on him in this one, which were big for us. So you just can't afford these type of things. You know, Logan's not been giving away penalties really that much. I know he gave a, a few in one game, but, you know, you've, it needs to end. You know, at this point going forward, you need to decide whether you have to draft a guard next year or not because, you've got to make a big decision on Hal at the end of the year, whether you're going to keep him and his big contract or whether you're going to save the money on him. And if you're not, then you need a backup plan. And and if we get to the end of the season just rotating guards around, not really solving the issue and then letting Hal go, then you've got to go and draft one. And then that's a draft pick wasted when we could be spending it on defence, trying to get that fixed, because really we need to be sending as much ammunition you know, to the defence this year as possible in the draft. So mm. if you can avoid having to spend picks on offence because you've figured these things out, then do it. Just put Logan in there. Just expose him for the rest of it. We're one and five. What the hell does it matter at this point? Yeah. We ain't going for the wild card. We ain't going for the division. We ain't going for nothing this year. At this minute, we're playing for pride. We're trying to finish in front of the Bears if it's at all possible. That's all this is down to. So put him in. Give him the year. See if you can develop his pass pro enough for him to be a long-term solution. The rest of that, lot, well, we might get onto this later, but I'm not so sure about the rest of the line. But um, at the minute, it's the one glaring error. So do what you can to fix it. Put him in there and just leave him in there and stop with this Evan Brown box. I think you're only doing that to justify paying Evan Brown what you are because we put the high tender on him. We're paying him a fair bit of money. So thinking, right, let's get our money's worth out of it. But just leave him where he needs to be.
0: Right, let's move on to the second half. And first possession, as you say rightly, we get the ball back. And first couple of plays, Goff just decides to go play action and absolutely just float a ball into coverage. Receiver's not looking back for it. It's massively underthrown. It just kind of hangs in the air, just straight into the DB's arms. It was one of the worst picks I've seen by a Lions quarterback in some time. You know, sometimes you just get things wrong. You underthrow a little bit and it gets caught by like a, a, an edge player or something. And like, well, that doesn't look good, but okay, that's just a small mistake that looks really bad. This was awful. I mean, really, really terrible. So, and I it mean, what if, if it... it was a pick?
2: It wasn't a pick. You know it. I know it. We all know it.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a pick. It wasn't reviewed. I heard some people say they think it was like briefly looked at in New York. And it's like, there's no evidence for that. You're guessing. And like it's meant to be checked. But they must have just thought, that's clean, let's move on. And it wasn't. It definitely was controlled with help from the ground. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. But it doesn't detract from the fact that it's another piece of evidence against Jared Goff. After four games this year we thought we'd seen maybe 11 straight games of passable Jared Goff play. And the last two have made us realise that this is Jared Goff probably for the rest of his career. Like it's... it's going to be a seesaw thing with him and it's just to stick another bit of thing. He should never have thrown that ball regardless of whether it was caught or not. Oh, well,
2: so he shouldn't have thrown that. It wasn't a pick. I mean, I'm no, I'm not an apologist for him, but it's not a pick. You can't beat him up over something that wasn't a pick. And, as for the rest, that's automatically reviewable. You know what automatic means you've got to do it. And they didn't. 99.999999 recurring percent of the time that happens. You have to go over to the damn board and you have to check it. The fact they didn't even go over there to check it. I mean, where are we? Third quarter, cowboys are losing at home, offense is struggling. Let's give them a call. And you know, that sets off a spiral of motions in event there. So that first pick. That will bend his confidence, especially when he knows that it shouldn't have happened, you know. And then that affects his confidence, which affects us. If that call is reviewed and overturned, as it should have been, we're at third and two, we're still at halfway, we're in good field position, probably could have ran it over if we wanted to, and we're in a position to put points on the board. Game is completely different. I'm not blaming this all on the ref, but at that point, that is a critical juncture in this game, an incredibly bad mistake to make. So instead of us having another chance on a third and short in a good position, we get a turnover, which is not a turnover, and you get your confidence of your QB knocked. And it shows that I'm going forward. So it's the same with the second pick. should never have happened because of reckon decisions.
0: Brian, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, for me, the ball was just so badly positioned that it should have been picked, whether it was or not.
1: Oh, straight ball, yeah, double coverage should have been picked off one picked off cj mosley did the exact same thing it got reviewed and it got overturned actually identical in a game i see exception reviewed and overturned but at this point where the team is right now goth can't rely on confidence like golf has got to just have that awareness Reynolds, i don't think i had any idea that ball had even been thrown no. he was that far behind him but at this point now, when I'm questioning this, now looking back at the first half, thinking we should have tried to score. Like I say if we, if we came up like saying now, I'm doubting the decision at the end of the first half as well. So it was just a cataclysm of errors. So at this point, yeah, momentum is just gone.
0: The thing is, if you're going to throw that ball to me, you want it on the outside shoulder of the receiver, or you want to lead the receiver to the left-hand side of the field because he's got outside leverage. So... You know, the, the the DBs on the inside of the receiver, throw it to the outside of your guy, it means only your guy can go and get it. And it also means if you over- or under-throw it, it's less likely to go in the DB's direction. But it was inside him instead, and under-thrown. Like, it's... It's two bad things. The direction was bad, and the power was bad. It was an awful throw. Anyway... We've talked about that ad nauseum, so I'll move it on. After that interception, the Lions can't survive another goal line stand and Zeke balls over from a yard out for a 10-6 game. We then go three and out, and the punt is returned for a 52-yard return. There was a gap in the coverage, but I think it was because of an over-pursuit up the middle to try and get the the catcher before he could move and just create the hole. And
2: a big-ass block in the back that wasn't called.
0: And that. And actually, it was an amazing touchdown-saving tackle by Deshaun Elliott to get there because he's already gone past Jack Fox at this point. He's got Overfield in front of him. And Elliott had been beaten earlier on in the run but managed to recover back to actually get there and tackle him. So it was amazing that that didn't go for six. Um, so, you know, that that happened. Uh, but on the following line's possession, a really lovely play-action pass tight end screen to Brock Wright with people in front of him Looked to have made it, uh, got into the further touchdown, looked to have broken the plane. Reviews after the event showed that he was about half a yard short, uh, short with the ball placed at the one yard line. So they didn't quite give us the benefit of a doubt by a half yard. But what's a half yard really? Lots of people screaming for the flag to be thrown by Dan Campbell. This has already been covered by Pride of Detroit in terms of why you don't challenge yeah. that play. You don't challenge that play ever because you cannot win the challenge. Like it's just if you if you challenge it you you lose the challenge you lose a timeout and maybe the ball gets moved to half a yard if you're lucky but unless you're confident he's broken the plane and af- after the first look it was clear that he hadn't then you just you don't challenge that so i actually think that is a positive on dan campbell for not challenging that play but that is what it is um just a shame that the refs put us a half yard before because if they're giving us that half yard maybe it will be different but on the very next play bring in the heavy set and jamal williams fumbles in the backfield ball is recovered on the half yard line by the cowboys amazing play on the left hand side of the line by demarcus lawrence who beat his man off the snap beat Hawkinson who was pulling from tight end on the right hand side of him beat the fullback who was coming to meet him to punch the ball out from Jamal Williams. He beat three men. Three. Including so I think it was um Dan Skipper, Evan Brown, Brock Wright. So Brock Wright playing the fullback role, Skipper playing right tackle, Brown playing right guard, and Wright playing fullback with Hawk pulling from the second from the from the tight end spot outside um Skipper. It was some very very big men being beaten by one of the best in the league.
1: It was fucking embarrassing, is where it was.
2: Yeah, let's stop making excuses for this. It was atrocious. And it, did, yeah, it don't matter for like I
1: said, at the one yard line to not punch that in when Jamal Williams the, like after four weeks had like six touchdowns and a lot of them are coming short yardage. Absolute criminal. And I know he must be upset by this point, but I don't give a shit how Jamal Williams feels. Like I say, for him to just have an absolute meltdown in this game and be one of the deciding factors why we lose, just not good enough. Skipper, like I say, smoked. Get him off the team. Just, just get rid of him. Evan Brown then to also go, and then Brock Wright as a fallback. Like I say, he's not exactly small. You'd like to think he'd be able to hold his own, but to come through three people and be able to rip a ball out, that that was it. That, to me, I knew we'd lost. I knew the game were over there and then. Confidence in tatters. Dan Campbell needed a new headset because he went fucking ballistic, didn't he? He launched that headset, and that's the maddest I've ever seen him. And I was glad that he did that. I bet there was some choice words said at full time after that play.
2: I hope each one of them got absolutely rolled for that. I mean, that's pride, if anything, to be beaten so comprehensively. We said... This game was about restoring your pride as a Lions player after that humiliating showing in a few weeks ago. You're on the one-yard line, and you get absolutely bullied by DeMarcus Lawrence there. Three of you. You should be ashamed. You know, you, as a professional footballer, should be ashamed of that. Jamal should be for fumbling the damn thing. The three of the guys who couldn't make a block should be ashamed. That, for me, is where the real problems with this team are. I can't just be taking these moral victories every week, where we do this all right for a while. This this is where a team wins games. This is how you win games. This is the next mental barrier that this team needs to clear to learn how to win. And that was the chance there that they had, and they failed. They wilted in the light. And we've seen it again and again and again this season. When the lights are brightest and you need that one big play to give yourself a good chance in this game, you're not good enough. And... I was absolutely disgusted with it. I don't care about the spot or anything like that at this point. That's fair. But, I mean, that's what good teams do. Their players stand up. I mean, no one talks about Micah Parsons, the tackle he made to bring Brock Wright down. He he started a full 15 yards off behind him when he got the ball. You know, all this crap about linebackers don't matter. Well, I'm sorry. That linebacker is showing how valuable he is to his team. He saved them that game with that tackle. And I don't want to hear no more, no more rubbish about how linebackers are not vital to a team. What he did in that game won it for them. I don't want to hear this. He's an edge. No, he bloody well isn't. And then no. Demarcus Lawrence, their star man on the line, comes up, beats three men, makes a big play there. That's what good teams do. Their star players stand up and make plays. Well, where is our star players? We don't Where's have our big any players on offense.
0: Well, all, is it is it a rebuild or hear, not? We
2: don't have any star players. All I hear is this team is young and it's got no... We've veterans on our offense. Quarterback veteran, running back veteran, left tackle veteran, center veteran. You've got tight end veteran. You've got veterans there who should make plays for you. Who should be able in those... You can't blame it on youth there. You can't blame oh, it on inexperience. No, no I, I
0: wouldn't. I actually think the that the point. play call is probably wrong as well, and, and I, I don't is. think that's an angle that's maybe been covered that much, but
2: I don't know why we don't QB every... sneak from these
0: positions. No, no, we don't want to QB sneak there. How many times i bring we... Sudfield in
2: and do it. I would do something, because he's six foot, whatever the six. Six Bring yeah. him in. Sneak it with him. Do How many times
0: different? have we seen the Lions being burned on the one yard line by that stupid play-action rollout to the right with the fullback who's a tight end in the flat for a touchdown. It's like our Achilles heel for losing touchdowns in that spot. But we should be running that ourselves. Brock Wright had a really good game in the receiving game. He's a tight end, so he can definitely play that role. So he can feign the run, chip a blocker if he needs to, and then get out in the flat... Goff is actually very good running the play-action stuff, and he showed that most of this game. So why they think you're going to be running. Every man and his dog thinks that the Lions are a rah-rah team who love to run the ball. Everything is telegraph telegraphing run. So why not do what they actually don't expect? It's meant to be a chess match. And no one's going to talk about this because, in the end of the day, the run is a fine call it should work and that's why it doesn't really matter but i don't think it's quite the right call i think we can do better but the way it actually went down i know it's a goal line place that's so slightly different but we have seen multiple occasions in this game um it was highlighted during the coverage actually by the blooming former cowboys quarterback whose name always escapes me and romo. i hate him. romo romo highlighted how good some of our run blo- run blocking was sometimes when we went in tandems of two when we went in tandem to the two, they were creating massive holes for our running backs all over the field. Now, it didn't always work, and the Cowboys did have some where they beat us too. But, in general, it was working out very well for us. But when we brought three, it went all to pot. What the bloody hell happened with that play? I just, I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, at the end of the day... Brown is a backup, Wrights a backup and Skip is a backup when when you're getting your best team out there and and that really is a difference. So why are they the ones we're running behind then? Let's put yeah. it behind let's put it behind Saul. someone else. So oh, where He's was the Saul lights in that out play? tackle in L.A. The McNeil? Year? Where's McNeil? That's it. Bringing in your oh, big skin
2: bruises. Do what college players do. Bringing in your nose tackles, bringing in your heavy guys and just run the ball over them. I, you know, maybe they're expecting run. Well, I expect my offensive line with three first round picks on it to bloody well make a gap in that situation. Game's possibly on the line. I expect my guys to get better, and instead they just got completely and utterly overwhelmed. Mm. Williams didn't move a yard from where the ball was. He, as soon as he got past Goff and had the ball in his hands, he got hit. Where's my offensive line that I've invested in to to punch it in in those situations?
0: Williams was never making it, but no. his record his record of not fumbling the ball in X number of possessions is well and truly behind him with this game. Maybe he's regressing back to the mean, but did he have to do it all in one game? That was unfortunate. Um, if it seems that we spent a lot of time on this play... I think we all genuinely believe that a touchdown for the Lions there really puts the cat amongst the pigeons as opposed to who's going to win that game. And the fumble really turned it in their favor. Ryan, as he said, called it in our Discord channel at the time. That's the game right there. I don't see us coming back, especially if they can put points on the board from this next possession. It was so frustrating. Um, further to that play... Goff had another pick over the middle. Actually, I got my picks wrong when I noted that this one did it bounce, but it was the previous one. But this pick, down the middle, misplaced, good catch by the, the Dallas player who actually ended up injuring himself, and he's out for the season now as well. But that was another ill-advised play. He was slightly hurried, but it never should have happened. It was,
2: it shouldn't. But, and again, I okay, don't have an excuse making here. Two plays before that you know, Josh Jackson gets <laughs> suplexed to the ground. It's a foul. It's, it's a penalty. A foul. Yeah. Any day of the week. So you're on first first down at that point. You get that penalty. Your new set of downs, first down, you're going forward. Instead, we're put into second and what was it, 13? I think we're second and 13 because of that blatant penalty miss. And what happens when you're in second and 13 against the Cowboys? They bring the pressure on you. And that's exactly where we cannot afford Jarrett Goff to be throwing from third, two, and third, third, second, and 13, then third, and 13. He forced that throw. And I'm not absolving him for one minute. But the point is, we should never have been in that situation because that is one of the most blatant penalties I've ever seen in my life. He did that with intent to harm. You saw he did. You saw how he arced him back just for maximum impact. Yeah. That should have been, you know. That, that You know, that should have been a 15-yard penalty. We should be a lot closer, and we should be making throws from third and 13 against that Cowboys pass rush. So these are the little things how the refs influenced this game. And as I said, I'm not blaming them for the overall thing, but these situations where we threw the game away should not have happened because referees made calls which made those situations happen.
0: Yeah, and it was an egregious no-call as well. I mean, the words isn't like, you know... The uh, I don't even know how to put this. The word is unnecessary roughness. And that was, by its very definition, unnecessary. He had him. I'm not asking him to place him on the floor. I am asking him not to drop him from a great height at danger to himself. Like, I know people are going to say, oh, it's football gone mad. You can't be calling that or whatever, especially if you're on the Dallas side of things. And I, if I was a Dallas fan and that was called on us, I would go, okay, fair enough, but that's a bit of a weak call. But it should have been called. Or as, a, as as trying to be as neutral as possible, it is very unnecessary. So that, that was very, very bad. But Goff has his second pick. That leads to another Zeke touchdown from the one-yard line after a Jerry Jacobs DPI He couldn't get his head round. It was actually pretty good coverage. He just mistimed it slightly, but there we go. Goff then had time to have three fumbles at the end of the game, was it? No, two fumbles at the end of the game. Beg your pardon. Strip sacks when not feeling pressure. Dak gets his gimme touchdown late. I don't he couldn't miss that one. And uh, then another fumble to finish the game. And at some point I did feel like they were going to bench Goff, because what good is he being out there? He's clearly getting nothing done. Game finishes 24-6. I don't feel it was representative, really, of the overall game. I thought we were very much in it for the entirety of it, up until the final seven minutes or something. But... My God, no touchdowns again in this game. Two straight games. No rushing or passing touchdowns of any kind. It's rough. And yet, we were saying in the game two weeks ago before the bye, it was very much on the coaching staff as to what happened here. One of the things I want to lead with in themes is, is that I don't think this was a game which was particularly coached badly. I thought on the defensive side of the ball, massive improvements and changes and schematic things that have been done, which meant we'd done better. Ant made a, a point in our Discord that he's not giving him any props until you can see it on a more consistent basis. But it's better than doing what we did two weeks ago for me. And on the offensive side of the ball, we did move the ball. And plays were called that should have succeeded. I don't think in general it was a badly called game on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think Dan Campbell made any egregious mistakes in terms of going for it or not. He actually trusted his kicker from above 50 who hit it. I I thought the coaches put the guys in position to win the game, boys. And actually, it was just a lack of execution on the player side of things. Now, it's the coaches who put the players in those positions too on the training field. So it's hard to say what happens. But sometimes when they're on the field, they just have to execute and it didn't happen. 100%
2: on the players this is literally 100% of this blame lies on the players in this one they're the ones who made the stupid mistakes they're the ones who didn't convert when they needed to they're the ones who gave away the stupid penalties the coaches can only do so much for them and this was a case of execution in this one the execution was horrible absolutely horrible and it's it's just such a shame because when you see performances from the likes of Josh Pascal, when you see performances and the likes of Kirby Joseph, apart from that one interception he should have had, which was a killer for us, you know, you get very annoyed by this because it's great to see the rookies looking better. It's great to see the rookies developing, but it's also disheartening to see the rookies walking off the field every week with that look on their face of, well, what's it like to win a football game? I always say this is a big part of rookie development. You want to develop properly. You need to learn how to win football games. You need to have those confidence boosts coming into a week with confidence, not constantly beaten down and your coach trying to pick you up all the time. And they're getting let down by the veterans. The veterans let us down again big time in this one. And it's a concerning trend on both sides of the ball. Our quarterback let us down. Our running back let us down. You know, on defense, our linebacker, Anzalone let us down. And we got a few stops, but still a lot of mistakes in there. And, you know, it's it's concerning, but it's 100% on the players. As, as for the Aaron Glenn thing you mentioned, yeah, you know, fair enough, they have one good game. But, I mean two weeks or three weeks ago now, people were going, oh, Ben Johnson's going to be a head coach. Ben Johnson's amazing. Look at this offense. Six points in eight quarters. Six points in eight quarters. Not acceptable. Not anywhere near acceptable. And this is what I mean. The coaches, we're overreacting so badly to them. Last year, Aaron Glenn's a masterpiece, going to be a head coach. Start of this season, Ben Johnson's a masterpiece, going to be a head coach. Now it's what the hell's going on with this offence? This year at the beginning, it's Aaron Glenn doesn't know what he's doing, yada, yada, yada. We've got to start seeing what happens over a period of time before crowning or crucifying these guys. Because, you know, everyone was raving about Ben Jones. It's like, give it time. Someone's going to figure out this offence eventually. And we have been figured out. Our offence has been completely and utterly exposed these last two weeks. I mean, this... For anyone doubting the Jameson Williams pick in the draft this year, this is why you drafted him. Because we have nobody like him on our offense. No speed, no deep field penetration, no ability to stretch a defense. You see how close defenses are getting up to us to stuff our run game. It always feels like when our running backs have the ball, there's about 20 guys swarming around him. Because there's no one deep. There's no one who demands that type of respect down the field in our offense anymore, especially with Shark out injured. I know he wasn't doing great on the field anyhow, but at least with him on there, you've got to respect him slightly deeper down the field. So you can't stack the box as much against this team. Well, you know, this is why you drafted Jameson. This is why you needed him. Defensive coordinators sat down, saw the way we played, and they have completely and utterly figured us out. And our coordinators now need to sit down and figure out how to overcome this. They need to come up with something new. They need to freshen it up again. And so I am not giving Aaron Glenn or Ben Johnson any props at this moment in time for their performances until they start doing it on a consistent basis. How many times have we said the defence has shown up, but the offence didn't? And then the week after, oh, well, the offence showed up, the defence didn't. Why are they not doing it consistently? Why can our coordinators not get consistency out of these players and this team. And I know the likes of Drew have said it's because you've got just young players on there, you've no veterans. It's no excuse. If they can do it one week, you can do it the next. You can. You've just got to put them in favorable situations, scheme correctly, and get going there. I mean, if there is a little bit of coaching blame in this, it will be on Ben Johnson because some of it was predictable. It's not changing. A lot of these screen passes getting blown up early. The run game is getting blown up, and we've got no answer to it. We desperately, desperately need Jameson in this team now
0: to give us some form of edge again. Some other thoughts I had from the game before I go on to some. Oh, sorry. No, you go. You go.
1: My thoughts on this game alone, 100% players, they let the coaches down, like you say. They just, in those pressure moments, they just did not deliver. And for 80% of the game, the coaches put them in all the decisions, put them in all the places to potentially succeed and put points on the board. I can live with the decisions that Dan Campbell made, didn't made, didn't waste the challenge, didn't consider one. Like I say, he took that lead to the half because he felt good about his defence. Probably didn't feel as good about the uh the offence, but that's understandable because for me, this game, this was the eye-opener that, like I say, Goff's got to go. Goff has got to go. And I'm not dilly-dallying about that anymore. Like I say, I'm not, oh, do you agree about it? I'm done. Like I say, so his time in the league as a starter is under threat but I don't care where he sees that right here as long as it's not here. That, that's the biggest thing coming out of this game now. So I agree with Ant that right now the Detroit Lions offense deserves no respect from defenses. If I was a defense, I wouldn't fear this offense. I will not give it any respect. I'd stack the box knowing you can't beat me because you haven't got anyone with any credible threat going down the field. I feel like Jameson Williams has got to come back as soon as possible, but I feel like on the flip side, the coaches will probably want to manage the expectations and probably don't want to put him at harm seeing how this offence is currently being managed. So I hope we see him as soon as possible. But if they try to delay it as long as they do, it actually won't surprise me. I so don't I I do I, I know. I'm managing expectations. I'm not sure how quickly it can make an impact with who we've currently got to getting the ball down the field. But I'd like to see him on the field as soon as possible because we traded up for him. Like, say we gave up capital for him. So, I want to see what
2: he's got. I'm starting to have a horrible feeling now that they're going to shut him down. You know, when you're one and five, we're potentially going to be one and six. When the Packers are done with us, we're at one and seven, one and eight, and he's on the cusp of a return, then I think they're just going to shut him down and, you know, wait till next year, which was probably always the plan, anyhow. And it sucks, but. As much as I would want to see him play and gain NFL experience, I don't want him going into a second year as a fresh rookie. I want him with half a season under his belt so that he can adjust to the league and we can see him hit the ground running next year. But I have this nasty feeling that we're trending more and more by the week that we're not going to see him at all.
0: I disagree with that take, and I know why you're making the take, and it makes sense. We saw them do it with Swift last year when he could have come back for the final four games or so, and they just shut him down. And but you saw, and Ragnar, but you saw in the off season, Dan Campbell during Hard Knocks talk about the fact that he said, you know, if we could do this. this training if we didn't have to do this and you could go out there on Sundays and perform well I don't want to put you in harm's way you're more likely to get injured in training than you are during the game you know I don't want to be doing this to you but you've got to do it in order to get there and what you've just said Ant about wanting half a season under his belt for Jameson Dan Campbell comes from the point of view generally speaking of I want you playing because the reps are going to help you. That is what he believes fundamentally, and he may have been persuaded otherwise last season for a couple of guys. But I think there's a big difference between three games left in a season and, I mean, how many do we have now? Eleven? We have eleven games left. You know, we've got two-thirds of the season. If he misses another couple of games, you've got half the season left, and I think actually Dan Campbell will regard that as a big enough time to actually make a difference in his, his career. So, I'm well, not, not ready there to yet. yet. He's not ready okay. to
2: return yet, and we're but... probably looking three or four weeks still minimum. Well, so you're over halfway through the season then.
0: Pre-buy, after the the post-game presses, after the Pats game, it it was kind of intimated, indicated maybe that it might be a month from that point. Well, that's only two weeks from now. So we don't we we don't know. No one has any bloody idea. Like that's the answer here is we don't know.
2: We were told Pascal was going to be ready before the season. We've just seen him in what, week seven? So we were told Levi was going to be fit in no amount of time. He's done for the year. I, quite frankly, I don't trust a word they say about the injured players at this moment in time. You only trust yeah. Jerry because Jerry's all over Twitter announcing it to the world. So you can kind was... of believe that. You can kind of believe that one. I love Jerry for it. But, um, yeah, in, I just don't trust a word they say when it comes to the injuries and how they're coming back no more. It's like, all Dan says about him now is he's getting better. Yeah, he's on the road. There's no physical times. Sca- you know, there's no nothing about it. And again, he doesn't want to get people's hopes up, but it just seems like the same thing every week. And it's like, well, come on, I'm kind of expecting a bit more than this week on week. He's been running routes for a month now. He's been, you know, training for a while. So he should be getting there. He
0: really should be. Right, let's talk, I mean, talk about... Oh, sorry.
1: We're also told that they expect Romeo back this season. That is a flat... I'll lie. Yeah. No one expects Romeo that season. If Romeo comes back this season and plays a game, I will get some sort of tattoo come it Because I think they're full of shit.
0: I thought you were going to be contributing to the Royal the Lions OnlyFans account if he was, and I'm sure there'd be some people yeah, no, 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 out there no, no. who would enjoy that. Let's move on to another slightly depressing topic, but actually one that's a hell of a lot more concerning. And it's this offensive line. If I go through... The five that that played there, we had Decker, Jackson, Ragnow, Brown, and Sewell. On that line, as as Anne has been at great pains to point out several times throughout this season, there are three first rounders on it. And there's Jonah Jackson who has earned a new contract and looks pretty great out there, actually. I have to say personally. The three first rounders, you heard um them say on the coverage one of the best three offensive lines in football that was the rep coming into the season but it's not been what's happened during the season throughout we've had problems this year with that offensive line the problems were mainly in pass blocking up to this game uh, and pass blocking completely went all to hell when it came to the end of this game for the two fumbles that Goff had but actually run blocking was an issue in this game in 30 40 percent of the run plays that we had and in the plays where it worked it was very very good but we hadn't seen it go that badly wrong for some time and then in the past blocking i mean i know the game was getting away from us but what happened what happened especially to decker i mean Ragnar, now i thought had a reasonable game jackson i thought had a good game Sewell had a really good game but brown and Decker especially, were liabilities out there, not helped by Skipper and Hawkinson also being liabilities. The only person who really deserves some modicum of credit, apart from the ones I've just mentioned, is Craig Reynolds. Craig Reynolds went out there and looked like a viable starting running back. He was catching the ball well out the backfield, and he was pass-blocking and run-blocking really well. But Jamal was whiffing bad as well like i don't know what's happened but i've come out of this game wanting craig reynolds to potentially become the starting running back if jamal sorry if if swift can't go and i am i'm not as far along perhaps with that as questioning whether deck is going to be worth this anymore which I don't know whether that was overreactions yesterday or not. I'm still a believer in Decker and just feeling that you know some people just have bad and good seasons and on the whole I think you're going to get more good than bad from him but it's concerning. I thought this was going to be an upward trend and it just hasn't been it. This offensive line has problems.
2: Well, you know, Jamar Jefferson's our best pass blocker. Where the hell's he when these guys can't do the job there? I, I don't know why he's not getting game time, especially in absentum of DeAndre Swift not playing, but the line itself is concerning. And you're right, I'm, I'm not overreacting about Taylor. He's on my list of concern now. And this isn't just an overreaction on one game and that. He's, he's having a bad season and, you know, he was all right last year. He's had the injuries, but he's already given up more sacks, quarterback hits and pressures than he did last year. And he's played 140 less snaps than he did last season. You know, more sacks, more QB hits, more pressures. He's struggling. And he was injured last year as well, so he's coming back off an injury. He didn't play the first six, seven games, whatever it was. So he was coming back hurt, and he was still playing better than he is now, when he's meant to be healthier. And as your second highest paid player on this team, which he is, and his contract value is only going to keep going up, which it will, I expect better You know, Pene Sewell locked up Micah Parsons yesterday. Pene Sewell is amazing this season in both aspects of the game. He is what we wanted him to be and more. And I'm quite pissed that all the headlines today have been about Micah Parsons because he did not get a sniff of Pene Sewell at all. The only time he got a pressure was when Goth dropped back. And that's not Pene's fault. You can't hold him forever, as Evan Brown would know. Um, But I expect better from my franchise left tackle. And I've seen him have these issues before. I had the issues with him before the contract. And you know what? For the most part, he's been really good. But when you are in a team devoid of star players, he is one of the better ones on this team. And so far this year, he's thoroughly underwhelming. And he's had his his guard next to him for the most part of it. It's not like there's been a big change of positions with the guy next to him. I know has played a few there, but... I don't know. Let's just say he's on the list of concern right now. I expect my left tackle getting paid nearly 20 million a year to be doing better than what he's doing at the moment. And I don't believe in this whole, you know, they have bad seasons, they have good seasons. I need, I need my veterans to be having a good year this year because there's that much young talent in this team. That's how the team develops. And when they're letting it down... Summit's got to be done. He got ruined by Judon a few weeks ago. He got ruined by Parsons this week. At what point do we start saying, look, hang on, my franchise left tackle should not be getting
0: ruined on a weekly basis by some of these guys,
2: no matter how good they are. I expect him to be as good. And that's because I want him to be.
0: So the guys in the chat, um, so it was Big Aries has, has brought, brought this up. Decker, I believe, had a kid in the last couple of days. And the speculation from him is that potentially he's played worse because effectively his eye has just not been on football this week. But um, and you out. have a kid, it's and there money. are more there are more yeah. important things, but just don't play then. Spend some time with your family. There's more important things than football. Yeah. And 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 that's kind of my point. It's like <laughs> again, I don't mean
2: to keep ramming the point on, but You've got three first-round picks on that line. You invest that many first-round picks into your offensive line so it is the best, so that it protects your quarterback, so that it protects your run game. And Jonah Jackson is now a third-year veteran. We can't call Jonah a rookie anymore. He's a third-year guy who's made a pro bowl. He is really good at left guard. So... That is three first-round picks and a high-caliber left guard who's in his third year. You only got one problem area on that line. You should be doing better. I invest all those picks into that offensive line so when the league's best pass rush comes at me in Dallas, we can nullify it. Not give away five sacks, five hits, five tackles for loss, more pressures. I don't invest that much in that line for it to disappoint like it did. And that's with Penne playing well. I'm not, I'm not putting Penne in this. Penne is fantastic and has played fantastic all year. He's holding up his part of the bargain. But the rest of the line is not. And if, if you're happy with what they're doing, then I, I've got nothing for you. I, I don't know how you can invest that much in a line and not expect it to be at the top of its class or near the top of its class and help you win games against any opponent. Every line has a bad week, but this is starting to become a concerning trend now. That's my problem. I'm not the single about, it. I'm not the one of this, you know, like last year. I wasn't part of the whole trade decker crowd, you know, trading, whatever. I'm not part of that, I'm not interested in it. But I am interested in holding this team accountable because they had last year as the freebie, because that was a really bad year. Now you've got to start performing and they are not doing the job they should be. So I will hold you accountable for it. And if Taylor don't start getting better soon and keeps giving up all these sacks and pressures. I'm going to start campaigning for Penney to make that switch now because he is performing. Simple as. I, I can't give up 20 million a year to a left half while he's doing his job, especially when our cap is so, so tight at the moment in time.
0: I think one of the other things as well, and it's the point has been made in the chat by big areas as well, One of the things we saw at the end of last season, which was a massive change from Goff, was that instead of trying to run away from pressure, he was stepping up in the pocket. It was making a massive difference to our protection. One of the reasons why some of those sacks were getting home, is that he was trying to run away from the pressure, which everyone knows he can't bloody do. Goff has lost confidence as he's a confidence quarterback. You can see it by the way that he is trying to run away from that pressure rather than stepping up and delivering a strike. And maybe he doesn't trust his receivers to get it done. But you know what? Bar the fact that Josh Reynolds wasn't seen much in this game, Wright got it done, Hock got it done, and Raymond got it done. So... Make sure that you have just a quick check-down read that you can make it to if you have to. Step up in the pocket and deliver a quick strike if you have to, but don't do what you just did. And as much as I said that the pass blocking wasn't up to scratch, the majority of those sacks, hits and pressures all came in the last five minutes of the game or six minutes of the game. This wasn't an entire game of Goff getting hit left, right, and centre. It was it didn't go that way. It was three quarters of Goff having a reasonable amount of time, not it just throwing some bad picks or whatever, or just not trusting them to throw it down the field. Short completions, the game script kind of just didn't wasn't conductive to what happened out there as well. So maybe that is on Ben Johnson, but maybe it's just on. Injuries to all of the players that we actually rely on in the passing game to move the ball down the field further to Ant's point about j not being in there. So it's just a kind of a perfect storm of Goff not trusting the receivers because they're not out there. Goff trying to run away from pressure. And that doesn't do Decker any favours, but Decker should do better for sure. But I think if you're going to credit Jonah Jackson with no longer being a rookie and just saying he is an above average starting left guard, which I think is the lowest point at which he comes in, We've got to tell – Decker's not on his rookie deal anymore. We've got to forget that he's a first-round pick and call him what he is. And he is – and I. this is far away from what I said he was last year, but at the moment he is an average starting left tackle in the NFL. And those issues happen often with a starting left tackle in the NFL – Ask the Chicago Bears. They knew all about it last year with Charles Leno. He is playing at the Charles Leno level and therefore he is being overpaid for that and he does need to bring his level up. But we're going to have to expect this, I think, for a few games because he needs to get out of his slump.
1: But if he doesn't get out of it next season, you put left tackle. You put your best player at the best position. Yep. Like, They'll come to a point where it do not matter what he's getting paid. You kick him to right tackle and if you don't like it and gets in a huff, and tough, you tell him where to go. Like you said, at some point, like you say, there will be that ultimatum had to be made.
2: Uh, and that's why I said at this point, he's a point of concern, not a point of beyond repair. But that's why I mentioned in the chat, it's like I am genuinely getting concerned about him. You know, like I said, our cap situation's tight and those who are earning top dollar have to be producing like top dollar guys because that's the situation we're in. We need it from, we're not getting it from Jared Goff. You know, that $20.6 savings looking all the more sweeter by the day at this moment in time, to the point where you almost can't wait to get it because he ain't performing to a $30 million contract the cap hit that it is on us. And it's going to be the exact same with all the guys on there. Romeo, we've said, you know, he's injured. He's $14 million against our cap. You know, not worth it. Hal, the same. Brockers the same. You know, And then you've got to start asking the questions of all these guys. Are they performing how they should be? And right now, he's not. So that's why there's a point of concern. If he rebounds in the second half of the season, I'll retract it. You know, I will. But the offensive yeah. line is supposed to be a strength this week. And you've seen it now, Matt, two weeks in a row. Judon and Parsons have
0: destroyed us. Yeah. Really. And well, Parsons sh- didn't. Parsons didn't.
2: When he turned to the lefty, he did he got a sack and two QB hits and three pressures on the day, I think it was. So it's still... Uh, considering he got nothing against Sewell, so he's had a lot of success elsewhere. But what I'm saying is, you know, when you, when you invest in the line, you should expect more of them. And it's not an unreasonable thing to expect from those guys on there. You've got a lot of talent. Even the national media admitted we've got a lot of talent there. So... You know, in those games, when it comes to like yesterday, you need your line to come. Cl- I know you said you know a lot of the hits and sacks are late on in the game. Well, that's when your offensive line needs to be at its most clutch when games well, are in the balance. When... Maybe
0: so, but games weren't in the balance at that point. The game had gone at that point. I just want to have a until point. the fourth. It wasn't. You were well. Yeah, but the, in the but those sacks, that sacks and hits weren't gone. coming until late in the fourth, though they weren't. I, I want to bring up a point that Ash that's pro- worse, brought then. So
1: what? When we when the game's over, when
0: give up oh yeah no i completely agree that wasn't great but that is what happened and that was a bad look i hated it i really did just a point from ash about goff and the receivers he said didn't we see a similar regression in goff last year when hawkinson got hurt with that and what's happened this year with his receivers not being in the game it suggests to him that it suggests that Goff hyper-focuses on a couple of guys in camp and when they're not there, he falls apart in terms of confidence in his head and he's trying to then run away from pressure when he still needs to step up in the pocket and just trust his guys that they're going to catch the ball. I thought him and Tom so, Kennedy were going to do something when Shaman Rao got out of the game, but that didn't happen either. That's the first time I've seen Tom Kennedy on the field and not actually produce.
2: But you said yourself in the first half he was fine. He was he was throwing to Hawk, he was throwing to Wright, he was throwing to Kennedy. Yeah, he Reynolds. was. So it's not a regret. That's an excuse. You saw in the first half he was fine, absolutely fine making his passes. There was nothing wrong until that first pick got thrown. So we can't use this excuse of, you know, someone's injured and he's regressing because in that first half he didn't regress. You know, something happened at halftime. I swear it's the pick that happened, the pick that shouldn't have been, where it just sort of snapped. But we're making excuses. The same with the O-line. It's late in the game. It's garbage, sacks, etc. Excuse. You know, we need to start expecting better and demanding better standards. What are we going to do? Just accept this all the time? That's why this team has to... We're at the stage now where we have to start holding the team accountable for some of this stuff. Last year, we didn't because, you know, it was harsh last year. But you're in year two now. You're going to be coming to year three soon, and that's when you've got to start making tangible progress as a team. And when your elite units are letting you down, you've got to call it out because this can't be acceptable anymore. And I have a feeling that Brad Holmes will be feeling the same. I think the end of the season is going to be brutal if it carries on the way it is because he ain't going to
0: accept this. Sorry, Ryan, I think we cut you off. Number four, no.
1: I mean... That's why for me, golf has got to go. You can't just base his confidence around a group. Like say, so when the when if you don't have a plan B as a QB and you're suddenly out there all at sea, for what he earns and how experienced is is bad. Like look at Daniel Jones. He doesn't have there He don't. He's barely got one Dale Robinson. He doesn't have Sterling Shepherd and Kadarius Tony's all walk around Like now the teams are vastly different. But does he make excuses? Does he go out there and look? like he's all at sea at times. No, he goes out there and he still puts shift and he makes mistakes, but at least he looks like he's able to work with what he's got. And I just don't see that from Goff. I just think he looks out there and just thinks, well, where am I going? Where should I go? Who do I trust? You've got to have the same level of faith in Trinity Benson as you do Amon Raston Brown. And that's just, got to be, that's just how a QB has got to operate.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. Given the situation yeah, given the situation, Ryan's right. Yeah, we've got injuries. We we can't blame it on injuries. No. Next man up, keep going. You saw in the first half he had no issues, so where did that go? I ain't worth yeah. thirty million.
0: Right. Got a couple more topics for you here. Maybe something a bit more promising. Lex, let's, let's move away from the negativity and focus on the defensive resurgence. Held A Well, I'm sorry, but I don't know what you think. So, coming into this game, at the very start of the broadcast, we heard the immortal line, this Lions defense is allowing 7 yards per play, or 6.8 yards per play, which is the second highest total in NFL history. This is an historically... Bad offense through five games holding defense. a team sorry defense thank <laughs> you holding an offense like dallas who run the ball quite well i know that we said in the pre-game that we weren't that worried about their run game but it is one of our weak points run defense the fact that we held their run game the fact that we forced them to pump Five times compared to none against New England or whatever the bloody hell it was. The fact that they scored loads of garbage time points, and actually this game was very competitive throughout most of the game. Like, this defense did come up and did play big, especially some of the rookies. Akuda, especially, best game of his career. He was all over the field making plays. Deshaun Elliott was scaring the life out of some of those cowboys with how hard he hit them. Pascal came in, played 90% of snaps in his first NFL game and looked like a force out there. I thought that bar a couple of players, it looked really good. Kirby was laying down some hits and didn't look like a liability in coverage, which he had done before. Hutchinson was making plays and making use of himself. He got moved to rush defensive end, and he looked like he was doing the business. The one guy... I thought looked really out of place was AJ Parker. I don't want to focus on the negativity, but in coverage, he was not good. He was matched up with CD lamb quite a lot. And that is a hiding to nothing. For Why? The I, d- I, well, because Dallas were moving him about and exploiting the matchup and there's nothing we could do about that. We played a Should lot on of the field. Yes, he shouldn't have been on the foot. But we played a lot of zone coverage as well. I don't know if you guys noticed that in the game. But for a team that's playing 55% man coverage, we fundamentally changed that quite a lot. And I think that's one of the things that led to an improved defensive performance was a bit more zone coverage. Ignoring AJ Parker, improvement everywhere, boys. We've got to take the celebrations where we can. Come on. So...
2: No argument with any of that. What I take is when you go defensive resurgence. Resurgence means that, you know, you've come back from a very far place behind and you're doing it consistently. Let's not try and, you know, that that is short-termism. You have a go at me at short-termism. One game does not make a resurgence. We could go to the Dolphins next week and get slaughtered. You saw the way they start okay. against the Steelers' defense. Consider resurgence not...
0: withdrawn. What would you like yeah. me to
2: call it? Improvement? Good defensive performances from the players at this moment in time. Individual performances, as of
0: yesterday. That's a bit of a mouthful compared to one word. Come on, man. I'm I'm trying
2: (laughs) not to do this whole short term. I don't want to go resurgence
0: just yet. Yeah, okay, that's fair.
2: What was better was the defense. The defense was better. The individual performances were very good. Pascal surprised me. I'm not going to lie. I thought Pascal might take a bit of time to adjust to the league. And that goes all the way back to when me and Ryan were doing college scouting reports last year. He wasn't high on, you know, he wasn't the top guy on either of all this because there's a lot he needs to work on. But he came in yesterday and was really damn good. And I'm really pleased with that. And it's great. You know, in terms of the other rookies, you know, Kirby looked really good. You know, he got the force fumble out of him there. You do have to hold the pick against him. He will not get an easier chance for a pick in his life. And he should have held on to it. And that could have been big for us. But what can you do? Stupid mistakes. It's part of this thing. But overall, the defense was really good. We schemed it up differently. Hutch was better. Everyone seemed a bit more inspired. And that's really good. But it needs to become consistent. And that's the issue I have. I just don't... You know, I don't want us to go around just making these grandiose claims about it. And that's, that's all. I'm trying to keep temper expectations here until we these things, you know, consistency is the name of the game this year. What we want to see from this team, we saw the spurts last season. We saw the little bits here and there, where they were getting better. What you need to do now is see it consistently for this team to carry on progressing to where it wants to go. So defense was really good. I was pleased with it. But, you know, Aleem is looking really good. I was watching specifically for him today because people seem to have been ragging on him a bit recently. He's playing really damn well at this moment in time. Really damn well. Really happy with him. And now Pascal's in to help him, someone who can actually run block and help him. He looks better already, which is why why we drafted these guys. On the edge, we look better in general. I mean, Julian and Austin are still missing. We've not really mentioned that, but those two are still in the bad books at this moment in time, because they're not doing nothing and we're going to have to address that in the long run. But for the most part, it was better. The rookies were good, and that's positive. But just let's hold the brakes a little on celebrating a resurgence until they do it two or three times in a row, and we see that this is not just a flash in the pan against what, frankly, was an awful Cowboys team this one.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I've been frantically replying to people on YouTube. There's a lot of chat going on in there about how to improve this team. Um, any more chat on the defence, Ryan? Any thoughts on on the defensive? I'll call it improvement for want of a better word. I saw factors that were night
1: and day before the bye after, like Hutch looked so much better in his two-point stance and didn't have his hands in the dirt. Like, he looked just, he looked faster. He looked more ready. He looked more aggressive. We saw that delightful spin move finally make its appearance, like, for the first time this season. Like, he'd gone out there with a bit more to his arsenal. Like, he knew he'd have to work a little bit harder. I'd say good, solid performances across the board. Like, you say, the guys, the rookies, Pascal had three great quarters. He just ran out of gas, but that's to be expected because he's been thrown back in quickly. But across the board on defence, I was very happy. And they only scored two points in the end because probably they were knackered because the offence kept turning the ball over. And they just played a large majority of the game. And you just can't ask your defence to do that much, unfortunately. Odd chance of a turnover. I think those will come. I've seen a jump from Kirby. Like say he has he did look exploited a few times early on in the season, but a solid out in there against a team that had some I'd say actual weapons. The Cowboys do boast a plethora of weapons on the offense. And for the majority of it, we kept them fairly quiet. Like say CD Larm and AJ Parker. Awful matchup, but what can you do, there? Like say that they they moved him and dragged him around. But yeah, if we go out and the defence can play the majority of what we've seen against Miami got a good chance to be in the game for some point of the stretch. So yeah. I will make my final judgments on the defence again next week. Can it be replicated? Can they play with that much ferocity and juice and energy again? That is what I'll see. A consistency level because if they go out next week and just look gas like they gave all or all after the bye, I'll be back to it right into the uh back to square one again. So we'll see.
2: And and can we just send out like a big... And I'm going to swear here, so apologise to those of you who are, but can we send out a big collective fuck you to anyone who's used the term bust next to Jeffrey Akuda's name as well, please? Because Mr Jeffrey Akuda is having a wonderful season, quite frankly, at this point. In all aspects of his game, he saved a touchdown with that big in leap he made. I don't know where the hell he came from on that one. But there was a goal line stand where he, like, jumped like in Superman and saved a touchdown on there. He was aggressive with the line of scrimmage. Again, getting in the backfield. Again, great in coverage. Again, you know, tackling like a machine all day long. You know, this is why when a guy has been out injured normally for two years, and yes, I know I have issues with guys like that, you don't give up on them. At least give them a chance when they come back. And I'm not going to say it yet, but he's starting – to get towards the level of production you expect from what you spent on him in a draft. You know, he is getting there. And, you know, this is why you back your players, especially when they've been through what he had to go through. And it's just, it's wonderful to see. He, he we, we so badly needed this. If you imagine if he wasn't fit this season. I mean, it bears not thinking what this secondary would be like without him there now, so... Yeah. You know, you just can't do no but give him props week on week at this moment in time.
0: I mean, so his tackling grade this year so far is 84 average, which is just incredible, really. Uh, like you say, best, best game of his career, uh, 86.1 grade per PFF. Just to go through a couple of those PFF stats on offense, Wright led the way with 78.6, Hawk 73.9, Khalif Raymond 73.8, Evan Brown 72.9. Really, Frank Ragnall 71.3. Those round out the top five. Top five on defense. Jeff Akuda 86.1. Aiden Hutchinson 78.1. Derek Barnes 74.8. Deshaun Elliott 70.2. All your 70 graded players are above those. First three on the defense, the first or second year players. It's just absolutely shocking, really, that that's, that's what we're doing here but you know there we go Anzalone is hard done by being down right at the bottom at 36.5 because he was all over it creating havoc, getting half a sack making some really good tackles and he makes one screw up on, in coverage and he gets two penalties and, and that ranks him down at the bottom but I thought he had a good game Um
2: it's six on six on receptions, 70 odd yards two penalties <laughs> you expect better from your senior linebacker I know people are saying that one of them was like a hold that shouldn't have been mm. or whatever, but you know I, know, I know. Let's be positive. He had a good day. I'm not going to, yeah, let's be positive. He had a so... good day, but we need more consistent and a lot better from him. It's encouraging seeing Barnes up there. Now, I know he only got 18 snaps, but baby steps. Barnes has had some time away from the team. He's been pulled away from his first team duties. And I said at the time I had no problem with that. If it was a case of he's been thrown in the fire a bit too early, he needs some fine-tuning, you get him back in a bit more confidence in him when he's had some time away, that's fine. And he came in this one and did well on his 18. So hopefully now we can start – that's like a little performance we can build on, give him a few more snaps next game, and then a few more this game after that and then just keep reintegrating them into this team and hopefully the play carries on because I mean hell we need it badly if we can sort of recover Barnes by the end of this season and get him playing well consistently nearly on the cusp of a starting role again then that's going to be a fantastic job from the, the coaching staff so I'd say it's baby steps but it's positive and we're looking for positives there's one
0: right boys this has been quite cathartic. Anything else you want to get off your chest before we round this one up?
1: Yeah, Fuck Tony Romo. <laughs> Shit commentator. You're a fucking <laughs> douchebag. <laughs> Talks absolute bollocks. How is he allowed to commentate on Cowboys games? He just can't put his bias away. He took any shot he could at the Lions. Everything was tongue-in-cheek. Like, fucking waste, man. Like, I, I, He can fuck right off. If we get him again, I will be unhappy.
2: Come if on, Matt. I... You've you've got to do one now, Matt. I've done one for Akuda haters. He's done one for Romo. Who who are you saying the F-word to today?
0: So and I just wanna obviously. say I just wanna say to all you guys out there called Stephen Collins who hasn't you know, haven't managed to make your internet work today, can I just say for taking the bet against me that you think the Packers will make the playoffs and losing losing to a team that we beat. We beat Washington and the Packers lost. I'm going to say fuck you to the Packers. I'm going to say fuck you to Steve Collins because you do not believe in the greatness that is FTP.
1: He's yeah. a part timer. He's a part timer, Steve. <laughs> where where are you? I know. I you
0: know.
2: Be? My my, my fa- Yeah. He's just he's meant to be here and he's not. So.
0: And That's he's true. a Man United fan. So. Um. I
2: don't, I don't know. It's. Yeah. It's tough to know what to feel at the moment, I think is the point we're at. It, it I don't know. I don't, how do you feel about the season now? It's just, you know, will we resetting setting the expectations? Are we just starting from scratch again here? Or, you know, it,
0: I don't know. I've already had my take on this on Saturday. Ryan, what do you think?
1: I feel like... I feel like my pre-season prediction was not unrealistic. I feel like... Health-wise, it's a bit of a shit show, like you say. Things outside of our control have happened, but things we have been able to control, we have not capitalised on. We have not played a complete game of football this season. We have not played four quarters of complementary football all season. Away from home as well, like you say, we're now, there's no, Campbell's got no wins. We're like, 11-1 or 12-1 on the road. Like I said, things when we get, when we leave Ford Field, the team just looks different. They just look like a totally different side that I don't recognise the majority of the time. That is the one thing that probably bothers me the most right now. If this team can get four or five wins and pick in the top three, unfortunately, I will have to say that's a good result. And that really pains me to say, unfortunately. But right now, I am tempering expectations all over and one eye is on the season and my other fog eye is on the draft board like I said I'm not fully focused on the draft yet there's a lot of football to be played but I am starting to decide who I want and what direction we should go in I'm very much looking towards the trade deadline next week at uh, being yeah, sellers I think yeah I think that we've got pieces that aren't going to be here and we should try and move if the price is right
0: so I think that in this season, and I mean, for me, it ain't about moral victories and it ain't about all we're near 500. It's kind of playoffs or bust and it just always is. If you're not making the playoffs, sorry, finishing eight and nine is just no playoffs and shit draft position. Like, you're, you're having the worst of all worlds. Now, I'm not saying that I want to go two wins on the season to get a great draft pick. That's not it either. I'm never going to root for the Lions to lose a game, ever. Winning is always good. But in some form or fashion, being mediocre, as we talk about when we talk about the, the Vikings so lovingly, is the worst place to be. And I'd rather, in some ways, just sell at the deadline for some of the pieces like Ryan said that we're not going to have here long term and say, you know what? Let's get the guys out there and see what we have in them. And, And that's what we did last year. And that gave us a good draft position. But no one gave up either. That wouldn't be the worst place to be. I spoke to Ant on Saturday in the preview show about rebasing our expectations. And I think because we recorded it so late. A lot of people won't have listened to that because they just didn't have a chance before the game. So I'm just going to reiterate the point that I was saying to him and to the other guys in the Discord earlier. This Lions team, as it stands, even with a good draft and a good free agency, is likely not making the playoffs next year. And I think everyone needs to accept that now. This is a team picking, is as it stands, number one overall in this draft. To ask that team to get to the playoffs next year is optimistic at best, and at worst it's typical Lions Kool-Aid chugging person. That's me too, by the way. That's who I am on this podcast, is that Cool aid chugging guy. So, you know, don't think that I don't see the irony in this, but <laughs> we need to go, right, okay, if the Lions aren't making the playoffs next year, and that's year three of this regime, we need to decide right now whether we're going to give them a fourth year. So, Let's say next year we get seven wins, six wins, seven wins. We get five this year. We get seven next year because I think that's roughly achievable. Do we give them a fourth year? If we give them a fourth year, if we win that five and seven wins, we still believe in the project. Campbell is improving as a head coach. Our coordinators are doing a better job as we come through and they develop along with the team. And we can see a fourth year happening in that circumstance. I'm absolutely fine for us to carry on as we are. If in that circumstance we should go, it's been three years. You've had enough time. It's not good enough. Thank you and goodbye, which a lot of teams would do. Well, that's my expectation for what's happening right now. If that's the expectation, if that's what's likely to happen, fire everyone now. Just do it. Like, let's get someone to go- come in relief as head coach in the interim for the rest of the season see what happens in the off season cuz other people might get fired that we want to bring in there is no point flogging a dead horse if the expect if the average expectation for next year is not good enough to see the team being retained you do not have to do another year of this going down the track on a regime that is you know dead man walking we could instead take neutral views not make decisions that another head coach won't like and just start again next year. But if it is good enough, if it is good enough for them to get that fourth year, let's stop pretending this is year two because it wasn't year one last year. That team was so bad. It was year zero. This is year one. This is year one. And we need to rebase our expectations, realize that this is actually just a bad team. Again, playing okay, but not great offense overperforming early defense now maybe might do better down the stretch let's find out i don't know it depends on your faith in dan campbell generally but people need to get their head out their backside thinking that this team deserves better because it doesn't it doesn't it's not playing good enough to do that change the expectations and you're going to be happier for it if you go in expecting a win against these guys you're going to be sorely sorely mistaken and I'm sorry at home against the Miami Dolphins a team that beat the bloody Buffalo Bills and with four point underdogs we're going to lose by 20 it's going to be awful next week
2: wow my Kool-Aid's been soured now I've been optimistic for this week but
0: why (laughs) what do you think we're going to do against Waddle and Hill
2: Mm,
0: yeah, no. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but that's the thing... It, that's, Ryan that's, said it'd be good if Gasicki's gone. He's damn right he's going to tear us a new that's, one.
2: That's kind of what's... So it's when I'm coming out of games that I just don't
0: know how to feel.
2: And that's bad. Like last year, I always felt good about last year. Especially when we started winning games. Now I'm just like... You know, I'm struggling to stay the course right now because... And I ask the question all the time, what tangibly have you seen from this team this season that will translate into year three? And you and I both answered this last week, Matt, and we said nothing, really, outside of the development of the rookies, which is fine. But there are but last year, the culture, that's the tangible you take into year two with you. You establish your culture year one. It takes time. It takes a year. Then you've got it. You know, the scrappiness of the players, you know, them getting better as the season went on. Tangible progress you take forward. I mean, I didn't see anything from that game this week that's changed my view, which is, like, concerning. Coaching, I'm still out on. I don't know. And, you know, I, I want to kind of be getting a barometer on my coaching now. I want to start being able to definitively say, yes, I see it going long-term, or or no, I don't. Like you said, now, do we fire them all well, now? Whatever. I don't, I don't see that. Do I see, you know, the team... You know, the mentality changing, learning how to win games, learning how to take that next step forward from just being scrappy underdogs. No, I don't see that. We we blew the game against the Vikings. We kind of blew this one when we had opportunities to do so. You're not seeing that mentality go from scrappy underdog to potential winner. And then, you know, there's the player development. And, yeah, the players are developing, but you, that's like literally the only thing you can take forward at the minute. And is that good enough for a year three or, or a year two? But with a year zero still in there. I just I just don't know at this moment in time. I, I like my answer at the minute really is leaning towards no. But I don't want it to be because I still believe in Campbell and I want to believe in Campbell and I want to believe in this build. Last thing I want to do is start from scratch again, but I have to look hand on heart and say, what can I see that will benefit this team next year? I don't know. Did did your mind change? Did you see anything over the weekend that, you know, changed your view from no?
0: Yeah, I think I did. I think I think I saw the glimmer of a yes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like you said, in terms of it not being a short-term thing, I saw I saw five games of no real uptick. Like the offense was doing better, but they were mitigating the circumstances for that, as I discussed before. Yesterday was the first time that I'd seen AG realize that there was a problem with his defense and fundamentally change what he was doing to good effect. It was the first time I'd seen that on the defensive side of the ball. Offense, we could move the ball between the 20s. It's not great. But, I mean, we didn't even do badly offensively against New England. I don't think that he's a problem. I do, I do have more confidence in the coaching staff today than I did on Saturday. Yes. Fair. I mean, not a lot. I'm not going to say it's a lot, but I'm saying it's a... Oh, no, no, I'm back. not critiquing. That, you know, no. it's where we're all at at
2: the minute. I'd say for, the, the name of the game for me is consistency. You know, if, if they do this consistently, then this is a net positive to take forward next year. Absolutely it is. I just can't commit to it right now when it's in drips and drabs. But if we can find a way to nullify that Miami offense next week, or at least keep it in check... Then you start thinking, oh, I'm going, you know what here? AG does know what he's doing. Well, AG, AG is making the adjustments. This team is fighting. It looks like, you know, this is what we want to see. If by the end of the year, the coaches, even if we're not winning games, but even if they're making the adjustments and giving us a chance to win games, that's a good thing going forward. And that's something you can get behind going into year three. So that's all it is with me at the minute. is trying to find the consistency. Right now, it's not there. And so it can't be a positive just for me personally.
0: Everyone feeling better? (laughs) A little bit. I need a hug. (laughs) Yeah. Someone hold me. Yeah. Something quite cathartic about these Monday shows. I know it's rough sometimes, but it's better than holding it inside. I
2: think it is. I think, you know, it was after, what was it? I think after the Patriots one, I kind of let a lot of it go. I think I was frustrated because, you know, after the Vikings won, we could have we could have made a statement in conference this year. We could have made like a big statement going forward. And I think we all just kind of grasped to the concept that we might be able to do something this year. And I think after the Patriots won, it's kind of, you know what? Yeah, this, this team ain't it yet. It's not there. It's not got the talent. It's not got the belief. And I did let a lot of it go, so it is a bit better to do. I think coming out of a Sunday, not angry. Anymore. I'm not angry. I wasn't angry yesterday. I was just disappointed, and in a way, that's better. At the minute, like I said, I don't know where I'm at, so it's fine. Maybe now we just enjoy the Sundays we've got. Hopefully, they do some good stuff, make us happy, give us some high moments, and then just crack on like that for now.
0: Right, should we draw this to a close, folks? Yeah right Why not? that's the end of this one our next show is going to be probably the college football podcast which is going to be a really good one great week of college football you will need to check that out the next show on the main podcast this coming thursday is the dolphins preview show really optimistic about that one if you don't know already otherwise please don't forget to follow us on rural the lines uk on youtube twitch facebook instagram and twitter and the group for worldwide fans is detroit lions fans uk one pride worldwide if you're not a member of that group you want to get in there. There's some really good stuff from guys who are going to the games, tailgating, having a great time, wrapping the Lions, the UK, and worldwide. Uh, a bit of news from the Lions actually. Just before we go, the Lions have once again waived Maurice Alexander. The wide receiver is coming and going more than Dan Skipper, and that is not a compliment. Uh, you can see our articles on RawTheLionsUK.com. Ash doing some great work there with the pre- with the preview. Um, write up, so you need to go and see that before each game as always don't forget to subscribe and rate us five stars if you can and please do smash that like button on your way out on youtube that would be a big help to us just thank you to everyone for listening the guys on the live doing all the comments as we go is really really good fun to read in twitch and youtube and you guys on the audio pod you're the best love you guys to Ant and Ryan, it's been cathartic as always. Let's hope for better this time next week. Otherwise, here we go again. Let's go, Lions. One pride and fuck Aaron Rodgers. FTP. And I hope the
2: Bears get slaughtered later.